Today's scripture is Psalm 8-1. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Herr, unser Herrscher, wie herrlich ist dein Name in allen Landen, du, den man lobt in Himmel. Oh Dios, Señor nuestro, cuán grande es tu nombre en toda la tierra, que has puesto tu alabanza sobre los cielos. Eternel notre Señor, que tu nombre es magnifique sur esta tierra, ta majestad se eleva au-dessus des, des cieux. Hey Jehová, Mary Swami, Tere naam sari dharti par athi adbhut hai. Tera naam swarg mein har kahi tujse prashansa karte hai. O urunk, örökké való, az egész földön nincs nevennél felségesebb, az égnél is magasabbra emelted dicsőségedet. Jóva, uri hananimisio, untangi, chue iremi oci, kri viomi simnika, churul chanyanganin suri, hanel kaji ulio posimida. He watch Jehova, Oruko wa, Olon wa, Oruko rema kufun, Olan la, Nino buboile, aye, he watch ye and ro ye re, nese luke onu. Kiriamas, Kiriamas, posso megalopropessino tonomasu se oliti ye. Echis thesi tilambrotitasu psilotera ke apotusuranus. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you. How magnificent is your name, O Lord, in all the earth. And how magnificent it is to hear the languages of our congregation in their mother tongue, in their languages of study. It's just a glimpse of God's wonder, of God's magnificence, of God's diversity. I always think of Taze when I think of World Communion Sunday. Almost every week that we've gone, there's been about 60 different language groups represented on the hilltop of Teze when we go. And when we go from Bible study to small group, to meal, to prayer, to worship, we hear 60 different language groups. And it's profound to realize how magnificent is the name of the Lord in all the earth. On World Communion Sunday, it is good for us to zoom out to see a big picture, or at least a bigger picture, that we are part of something much more magnificent than what we usually experience just on a Sunday morning in our own sanctuary. We recognize that God has created and is creating a church of Jesus Christ that is multi-ethnic, multicultural, multilingual, and we are a vital part and a smaller part of a much 
greater church. And when we come to the Lord's table, we realize that we are eating a certain type of bread, but other Christians in other parts of the world are eating different types of bread, different types of food that they refer to as the bread of life. And we recognize that this table extends throughout the world and throughout the cosmos and throughout time. And we remember that Jesus brought to that first Lord's table people who did not agree with one another. People who often argued with one another over who was better, who was greater, who was more influential, who was tighter with Jesus. In fact, Jesus brought to that table at least one disciple who spent his time building up the empire, spent his whole adult life building up the empire of Rome, and at the same table, I wonder if Jesus sat them directly next to each other, was another disciple who spent his adult life trying to take down the empire. Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot at the same table. That gives us a glimpse as to what Jesus' hope is for the Lord's table, where people of different politics can come together and find their oneness in Christ, where people of different cultures can come together and find their oneness in Christ, where people on the left side of the table and the right side of the table can recognize their oneness in Christ. It's quite a dream. It's quite a vision that Jesus had and has for us. The hope is that we can recognize the holiness in this bread so that we can recognize holiness in everything. The hope is that we can recognize the sacred nature of this table so that we can see the sacred nature of every table. Let me tell you a story that happened just about a month ago at the Parsonage on 48 Elmwood. Julie and I invited folks over to have dinner, and we really didn't know each other. Our sole connection was that we, this small group in Chatham, are caring together for a refugee family from Afghanistan. We really don't all know each other. We know some folks better than others. We come from very different religious backgrounds around that table. We come from very different cultural backgrounds. And we sat with our friends, a husband and wife and their five children. And we extended the table into the living room. And we had a meal together. Some of the food was Afghani that our friends who are refugees brought. Some brought food from their various cultures and we we ate together and we talked together and we told our stories together. At the dessert, I asked my friend from Afghanistan to tell us his story. 
He's probably in his 30s. He said that he worked for the American military in Kabul, Afghanistan. He worked at the airport. He was a driver for the American military. He told us about stories of seeing friends of his, American military and Afghani drivers, blown up in front of him in the caravan that he was in. He told us horrific stories that you could tell still traumatized him. He told us about how the Taliban hunted him down for working for the American military, threatened him and his family, and said that if he ever came back to his home village that he would be shot on sight by the Taliban. He pooled whatever money he could together that he had earned as a driver for the American military and somehow bought seven airline tickets to the United States. He flew here, was issued a green card, not easy to get, and a refugee committee said, we will pay for your apartment for the next six months. He and his family live in Elizabeth. When Julie and I have visited them, we have seen drug deals happening on their front porch by their neighbors down below them. We have smelled drugs coming from the apartment above them. There have been gunshots in the street out in front of their house, and they're trying to raise five children under the age of 12. We're trying to get him a car so that he can work as an Uber driver or a Lyft driver. We're trying to care for the needs that they have, whether it's food or clothing, or hoping to get them into a better apartment. He's telling us this story, and we said, what do you need? Because we around this table want to help you. He said, I, I, I may need some new shoes for our kids. I think we have winter coats that will fit them, but we may need winter coats. And as he's telling this to us, we're all taking notes. We're saying we can make this happen. And then my friend apologized. And he said, I'm, I'm so sorry to have to ask for your help. This is not easy for me. And there was kind of a silence around our table, as well as assurances from our collective friends in Chatham that said, we are happy to do this. I took a picture off of our living room wall that was an old map uh, of Turkey and Armenia. And on it are the names of my great-grandparents, Bogos, Markarian, Gulenya, Markarian, the Derderians, the Torikians. And I shared the story with our friends. I said, my ancestors were Armenians, and they fled from a genocide in 1915. And they fled to Cyprus, 
and Beirut, made it to Marseille, France, made it up to Paris where my father was born. And people in every place they went, there were people that helped them. This is the refugee story. This is the immigrant story. And I invited people around the table to share their immigrant story. And as people were telling stories about their grandmothers and their grandfathers or their moms and their dads who had the courage to leave the old country, to come to the United States of America, sight unseen, unable to speak the language, not knowing how they would survive, as people shared these stories, people around our dinner table started to cry, started to weep. Because they remembered their loved ones who helped raise them and the courage that it took them to come here. Friends, we need to remember these stories. We need to remember the courage of those who came before us. And we need to remember the hospitality and generosity that was offered to them to say, welcome neighbor. People of faith have been reminded of this for centuries, long before Christianity. The Jewish scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures are filled with texts that says, remember the aliens in your midst because you once were an alien in a distant land. And so today on World Communion Sunday, I want to invite us to write down the name of an immigrant in our lives, in our family, who made a difference. It says, the immigrant in my life for whom I give thanks is blank. Because, and then you and I are invited to fill in the blank and place it on the map. We probably won't all be able to place it on the countries of Europe, if that's where we're from, because Europe is too small. But put it somewhere on the map, and then this week we're going to take this map and put it on the wall of our church just outside the Asbury Room with more of these so that everybody who uses this building can remember their immigrant and the significance they played. Hundreds of people will come through this building and we want to invite people this week to participate in remembering and giving thanks. And so if we have the music that will play from music around the world, I invite you to fill out this. If you need one, just raise your hand and we'll bring one to you. If you need a pencil, we'll bring one to you. And then when you're done, just come up as you are led. We'll give you some pieces of tape and you can put it up on the, the world map and we will remember.
those for whom we are grateful. This will be an ongoing activity. I know some of you are not able to come up. If you'd like to do this afterwards, you can do so. Or in the weeks to come, this map will be just outside the Asbury Room so that we might continue to remember and give thanks. Amen.